And then when I draw back to my younger years at primary school and high school where I struggled with my weight, I'm like, hang on, there's something in this here. I've got a platform on television where I'm performing and I'm ticking that box out of my energy. And I'm talking about something I'm passionate about that actually transformed my life when I was overweight. Now I can help others do the same thing through this large platform and having a really cool voice. So now it's what, 2020, you know, face is holding up all right. But the goal is, the goal is perform, share, project, be confident and share far and wide health, wellness, vitality, happiness. It's the best part I could have ever got because it's me being me. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. I am so freaking excited to share with you a very, very special man on my podcast this week, the amazing Luke Hines. Many of you will know him as a celebrity chef, someone who got to the finals in My Kitchen Rules, someone who appears on the Australian Wellness Show. He has a remarkable Facebook and Instagram page. He's written over 12 cookbooks. This guy is a superstar, a super legend, but he's also a remarkably down-to-earth, gorgeous human being. I really love this week's podcast. Luke opens up about his challenges, what self-love means to him, how he's risen above the naysayers, in particular his own self-loathing at times and the times where he hasn't believed in himself or thought that he was good enough. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because many of us look at celebrities and think that their lives look so perfect and so Instagramified, as he says. And you'll see that how he shares himself on his Instagram page is it can also be, you know, glittered with those tough moments too. He's got a gorgeous partner and two beautiful dogs. And I think you'll really enjoy today's podcast because there's so many beautiful gems to take away from it. So if you need to follow anything to do with Luke and you want more, don't forget to check out the show notes at the end. But if you'd like to follow Luke, his website is Luke Hines and the number 10, Luke, L-U-K-E, Hines, H-I-N-E-S, the number 10.com. And you'll find all about his incredible programs, all the amazing things that he has to offer, his online store, his cookbooks, and how you can stay in contact with him. If you haven't heard of Luke, you are in for a ride. And if you do know Luke, then it's so cool in this chance, in this podcast, to get up close and personal with one hell of a human being. Enjoy. Well, as you could hear in the intro, my darling, most delicious friend, Mr. Luke Hines, you know how much you mean to me. You know what a precious and treasured friend you are, but you're also somebody I really do look up to. And I am very, very grateful to have in my world. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. It's been a long time coming. I've been dying to be part of your show. So this is brilliant. I'm looking forward to it. Give me all the hard questions, whatever you've got, hit me with it. 
Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to hit you up straight up because you've had an interesting life. You've had a colorful life. You've had challenges. There's been times where I know you felt quite broken and there's been times when you have been thriving and absolutely, you know, really doing well in this world and in life. But first up, what does self-love mean to you? It means giving yourself enough time to heal. So, I didn't know that was going to be the first question and it's quite interesting reflecting on how I've responded because saying giving yourself time to heal means that there's going to be times that you break and I guess maybe that's why I've said what I've said off my you know gut instinct is because as you said in the intro I have broken a few times and I've been quite open about that and I think it's the self-love that you give yourself to pick yourself back up and heal from those times because I don't think there's any avoiding hard times in life. You can't avoid it, but it's about how you handle it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. In all the research I have done, in all the different therapists and specialists I've spoken to, no one escapes tough times. No one escapes challenge. Some get it dealt maybe if you were to rate it. Some seem to get it harder than others. There's absolutely no denying that. But what has been some of your darkest moments or has there been a time in your life where you were you felt so broken you actually questioned whether or not it was all worth it? Yeah, definitely. I've actually kind of uh, interesting to reflect back on it in that there's actually been a few times I've got to that point. And it's kind of like at the moment, at the time that it happens, it feels like it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. But then if I reflect when I do stop, I say, hang on, there's been a number and series of events which have led me to breaking. Even though I feel like it was the moment at the time, it's because I haven't been getting enough sleep. I've been listening too much to that voice inside my head, which can tear you down. And I've just been pushing and pushing and pushing. I'm a, I'm a big believer in energies. You can tell when someone walks into a room and they've got a great energy and just the same way you can tell when someone walks into a room and they've got a negative or heavy energy, I feel like we are walking around with an energy and we've got the ability to kind of carry that proudly with a lot of positivity. And sometimes we carry an energy that's a really bit heavy. Now, when I push too hard for work, when I stress out, when I speak to myself negatively, my energy becomes dark and it becomes heavy. And when my energy becomes dark, I don't have any patience. I have no ability to handle stress. And when something happens, and it's usually something small, that's the, that's the you know, fucked up thing about this, is that usually it's a set of traffic lights you wanted to get that you don't make. It is losing a parking ticket when you're trying to get out the boom gate. It's these things in life which, yeah, they're a bit annoying, but they're not nervous breakdown material. But the nervous breakdown happens because for the months or years leading up to that moment, you've not practiced self-love. And you've walked around with a really heavy energy, just pushing in all the wrong ways. If we landed on this planet and we came to the fore, knowing that there was no such thing as hardship or challenge, or we didn't understand fear or insecurity or that voice you were talking about, what then does self-love really look like? (laughs) Can you imagine? You had the time. So you take out all that bullshit. And you're practicing self-love for the sake of waking up and nourishing yourself. And that's why I laugh about my very first gut instinct response. It's allowing yourself to heal. Now, if we just landed on this earth without all the crap, 
we wouldn't be worrying about the healing component initially. We'd just be living our best lives and self-love would be, I'm going to hop in the ocean today and float for half an hour and then I'm going to go nourish myself with my favorite morning brew. That's the dream self-love, totally. And I think it's possible. We all have moments in our life where we do that. Maybe it's when we go away on holidays and maybe it's when we have kind of got to our end of our tether where we stop and start doing those things. Just talking to you about this makes me think far out. Why am I not practicing this self-love more? Why do I wait till it's all too much before I then reinvest in myself? I'm like a big spender. Imagine that I'm just like full of money. I'm like money, 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 money. And I only start to panic about debt when I have no money left. That's the same with my life. I'm like, yeah, 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 life, 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 push, push, work, work. And then I fall into a heap and I go, hang on, I haven't been looking after myself. Yeah. What are some of the rituals that you do that do fill your tank, that do make you feel good? A non-negotiable every morning is a good coffee. I make it at home and then I go down to the beach with Ty and the dogs and it is just family time. It is just, you know what, it's us, it's the dogs, it's sunrise. And if I start the day like that, even if it's just a half an hour walk, it definitely sets me off on the right track. So that's definitely a form of self-love, that morning coffee with the family. But then it kind of trickles down further into the day. So it's making good food choices. It's making sure that I go to the gym at least once a day when I'm doing training. And it's also making sure I plan my day so that I get to bed early. Now, the reason I say I plan my day is because I found if I don't plan my day, my schedule, and when I'm going to start cooking dinner or having food in the house, the night slips away. And before I know it, I'm going to bed exhausted later than I should be to start the day fresh. And sleep for me is paramount. If I get not enough sleep, oh, be careful. (laughs) You're amazing. I I just love, and what I love about you is as you're, you're, you're like I am. I coach myself as I hear myself speak. <laughs> and they say we teach what we need to learn the most. Mm. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up being a television celebrity and why food, which you've mentioned as a very important part of your self-care and self-love, how that's become your business. Yeah. So for a long time, I was a personal trainer, but before becoming a trainer, I was actually a musical theatre performer. So I was a singer, dancer, actor. My full-time uni degree was actually a Bachelor of Arts majoring in musical theatre performance. I did the same course as Hugh Jackman. And I thought that was me. I thought I was going to be singing, dancing, tapping, all of that. And to be honest, straight after uni, I did. I did shows. I toured with Opera Australia. I hosted Australasian tours of things like Bob the Builder Live, all these great musical extravaganzas. And then there was a point I was in Singapore for a three-month job on a musical over there and I was in my hotel room towards the end of the gig and I had no pets, no photo frames, no connection to my family unit, no kind of group of friends that I could rely on. I'd lived in suitcases ever since I graduated uni doing the performer thing, the performer life. And as exciting as it is and as fun as that can be, it's actually quite lonely as well. And I remember thinking, okay, got to be a point here. Uh, I'm either going to really make it like I will be the next Hugh Jackman and that's all, you know, awesome. Or I'm going to kind of go along in life, getting employed, staying in these gigs, which are fantastic, but not building anything around it. And if I stop being employed at any point, 
I'll find that I'll have nothing but that, that once I'm out on my ass after the shows have dried up, I won't, I won't have built anything of substance. So I then, whilst I was doing musicals and shows, I then went and did my fitness qualifications. And it was once I did them that I went, oh, hang on, I love other things other than just performing. I love fitness and I love healthy food and I love this because that had always played a part in my lifestyle and looking after myself and whatnot. But it started to take over. And then I got an opportunity to do My Kitchen Rules and I was sitting in front of the camera one day doing a piece to camera for MKR and I remember thinking everything has just come full circle. I've gone to uni for three years to study how to project my voice, to be confident, to keep my chest up, to smile on camera, to do all of these things. And I've also gone to uni to study how to be healthy and eat well. And I'm right now on camera using the skills and the confidence I got from performing with the skills and knowledge from fitness and wellness. And I'm now doing it on TV. And I was like, this is it. I feel like this, I found my sweet spot. I'm performing. I'm being creative but I'm also talking about something I'm passionate about rather than playing a character. And then when I draw back to my younger years at primary school and high school where I struggled with my weight, I'm like, hang on, there's something in this here. I've got a platform on television where I'm performing and I'm ticking that box out of my energy. And I'm talking about something I'm passionate about that actually transformed my life when I was overweight. Now I can help others do the same thing through this large platform and having a really cool voice. So Now, it's what, 2020, you know, face is holding up all right, but the goal is, the goal is perform, share, project, be confident and share far and wide health, wellness, vitality, happiness. It's the best part I could have ever got because it's me being me. You know, that's probably what we love about you the most. And I know the beautiful Helen Patteron, the beautiful Charlotte Carr, yourself and I have had many giggles. And one of the other things that I think, (laughs) I just even sharing all their names, one of the things that I've loved most about us all connecting is you do have a remarkable sense of humour and you do make us laugh. But I know that there's dark times and I know even throughout all of this and all of your amazing success in television and books and all the things you've done, there's times you've mentioned it briefly, that voice in the head. For someone listening to this who sees you as someone who's made it, who sees you as successful in all counts and happy, fit, healthy and all the things, you and I both know that that's like that hotel and performing lifestyle. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the moments when it's not that great. So for anyone listening who judges books by their cover, and we all do it, you would scroll on my Instagram and go, yeah, he's got it made. Look at that. He's cooking. He's making one pan cookies. He's traveling. Look at him. He's always grinning. I'm guilty of showing the highlight reel, and that's because I love things that are aesthetically nice. So when I post on social media, I post for bright colors and happiness, and I'm there to spread as much joy as possible. In amongst that, I do kind of drip feed a few insights into what's also going on behind the scenes. Now, when I share in kind of the text form on Instagram that, you know, it's been a tough week or I've been struggling, what people might not understand is that that struggle could have been me in a ball, in the corner, shaking and or screaming crying, saying that I just don't think I can do this anymore. And when I say this, I don't know what. Sometimes it means everything. Sometimes I'm so empty and dead inside 
that when I say I just can't do this anymore, it's this, it's everything. It's, it's my phone ringing. It's someone wanting one more thing from me. It's needing to do another thing that's late or delayed. It's paying another bill. And I just get so overwhelmed that I just, just can't fucking do this. That's how, you know, that's, that's how I start talking. And when I get into that state, I, I'm guilty of talking down, talking myself further into it rather than talking myself out of it. And if I was giving someone else advice, I'd be like, no, you need to reframe the way you're speaking. You need to be kinder to yourself. You need to say, no, things will get better. But I don't. I just sit there and I say, this is F. This is F. I'm never going to do A, B, C, and D. And this is, and it's something that I think we all do. And I want to tell people that because we're not immune. We are not immune to feeling really low at, at times in our life. And everybody does it to different degrees. And um, if there's anything I've learned when I'm that low and when things are that dark, I need to really work hard, Kim. I got to work so hard because if I had it my way, I'd put a sad movie or a sad song on and I'd just talk myself further into it. But now, hopefully, what well, I'm 37 now, I know well enough to go, I got to break this. I got to break this cycle. Won't be perfect and it won't be overnight, but it might be taking the dogs for a walk. It might be just getting outside in nature, something to break the vicious cycle of talking negatively about a situation or a moment. Do you think sometimes as humans, when we get into that cycle and when we're really feeling the depths of it, I've got two questions for you. One, is it good just to feel it and then to hopefully heal it and to not, you know, we don't want to over try and fix it in the moment. And two, do you think we as humans actually enjoy drama and story and things at times? How would you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, totally. I'll take the second part of that question. (laughs) I think we love it. I think that's why um, you would know this from the psychology work that you've done and everything. We, we, We as humans have what's called a negativity bias. We're inbuilt, we gravitate or attracted to the negative thought processes, patterns and behaviours. That's why people love the scandalous reality TV because they're attracted to watching things fall apart. They love watching the train wreck as it happens. But it's also why at work when, you know, Kathy comes into the lunchroom and she's got some, you know, goss on someone, everyone's like, oh, what's the goss, what's the goss? It's kind of inbuilt somehow into our society that we're all kind of attracted to hearing that someone else might be going worse than we are or by comparison, oh, my life's pretty good when you hear what Kathy just said. So we've kind of got that. I think we're attracted to it and we like telling the drama of it and living that as, you know, as unhealthy as that could be at times. But the first component of your question is that, yeah, I think think there's definitely – ways we can shift our thought pattern but i think we also as humans get into routines and we kind of get into when we're learning when we're growing when we're going through adolescence when we're our our parents are teaching us certain ways to handle things behaviors are learned and then those behaviors are repeated and when we repeat anything in life it becomes a habit so i often think is if anyone's listening and they go yeah i have dark times too and when i'm dark i do a b c and d well, they're repeated habits and they're things I used to do all the time as well in dark times. But now what I try to do is break that cycle of repeated habits so that I'm creating new habits when something happens. So I will not be immune to having low times as my life goes on. That's just life, right? 
but I won't repeat the same habits that are negative. I will try to create new habits that are positive outcomes. Yeah, and what might have taken you days or weeks Mm. or months to get over, now you're probably working through it. I had a beautiful psychologist who always said you have to feel it to heal it. Mm. And I think there's that fine line of tipping yourself into the pity party of it or whether you're just feeling it to process it, work through it and come out the other side. And I think sometimes Mm. that's where having good friends or a good partner or a good therapist or a good rituals like you were Mm. talking about to get you Mm. through it. When it comes to you and your family and close friends, how do you protect those that you love and how do you look after them when they're hurt or broken or someone said something about that? What do you do in those moments? Well, I try to be there as much as possible because everyone's different with their level of needs or wants when it comes to communication or in-person or physical support. So I try not to smother in any way, but I do try to make sure my presence is felt. So it can be as simple as a text checking in. Hey, just checking in. How's today? Or if I know the person is open to it, it'll be a call. Or if I know the person's really open to it, it'll be a walk or a catch up. So it's about gauging people's kind of receptors to what really works and resonates for them. Because you might sit down with one friend and say, hey, tell me what's going on and they'll just blurt it out and they love getting it off their chest. But there's others which might find that really confronting. So you just need to be there for them. That might be enough. So when it comes to family, friends, loved ones, being available and being energetically open. So whether you ask actively or you passively remain energetically open, I think is really important because there's two ways to do it. One, you can ask and not everyone will answer. And if you are living or dealing with people who don't always answer because that's quite confronting, just be energetically open for them to come to you. Don't be closed. And if you sense someone coming to you and starting to open up, be aware not to shut it down. Don't be busy. Don't be distracted because someone at the a moment where you don't expect might feel that you're energetically open and be, be, be willing to understand that and listen and be an ear when they need it. Yeah, perfect. How have you handled it? Or let me ask it another way. Have you had people ever knock you, put you down, say awful things to you? Because I know you have this beautiful presence and this open energy, but I also know that you're highly sensitive and you really do care about making a difference in this world. Have you had any of those situations? And if so, how have you got through those? I'm very blessed that being on MKR and then now um, in the public eye on other TV and whatnot, I don't get trolled and I have never been trolled. So I'm really fortunate. I'm either (laughs) no one's watching or I'm not controversial enough to garner that type of negativity. And I'm really blessed for that. I do see negativity at times, uh, maybe less so more like not really trolling, but more so just little snarky comments on social media or whatnot, forgetting that I read things. Um, And you know what? They bother me because I I like to be liked. There's no doubt about that. I don't think there's many people who confidently say, no, I don't care what people think. I do. I still kind of care what people think. I don't judge myself by it and I don't live my life by what other people think. But as someone who sells cookbooks and works on TV, I like to know that what I'm putting out there is vibing with people. I know I won't be everyone's cup of tea, but it's nice to be kind of are valued for what you're trying to contribute. When I do interact with people who are not vibing with that, I just try to walk away. Kind of like what I talked about from that energy. When someone walks into a room and they've got a dark energy, it used to bother me. So if someone came in, you know, if I went to a cafe 
And I said, hello, good morning, just a long black, please. And they're like, yep. I'd be like, oh, what's with the attitude? Like, are you right? It used to really bother me. I used to be like, why can't you just be nice? Just be nice. But I realize now I don't know what's happening to that guy or girl's day. I don't know what they've just heard on a text message or a phone call. I can't make a judgment just because I want them to be happy and in a good mood and excited to see me, even though we don't know each other. I don't know their story and I don't know what's going on. So you just you just kind of give them as much light as you can. Don't change just because they're not matching what you're giving. So when I walk into a situation or a moment as me, bright, happy on a good day, if I don't get it back, I go, okay, it's not going to change me. I'll just give them as much love as I can. Yeah. My, my daughter and I have competitions, how to, how to make someone smile the quickest, which one of us will make that person that's been rude or seems to have an attitude, how do we make them smile? Yeah. It's a really nice gift because, like you say, you have no idea what someone else is going through. Wouldn't it be lovely in a world where we didn't judge, but oh. that's not going to happen? Yep. Apparently it's part of our survival, Lukey. It's part of survival that we're always unaware that someone could take us, eat us, or kill us. So it's that kind of, that's why we're drawn into it. Okay. It's a fascinating thing. What don't you like about yourself? Um, probably what I just said, that I care about what people think of me. Hmm. I think it's interesting in one respect, I care because I am in the public eye. So there's an element of wanting people to like what I do and what I bring out into the world. But in the same regard, I sometimes imagine how incredible it would be to sometimes feel like a nobody in regards to there's no expectations and there's also no there's no benchmark to meet in what I do. So being able to walk into any situation or moment and give zero Fs, right, purely from a self-esteem perspective. I think when you throw yourself into a job in the public eye where you're putting yourself on the cover of a book or you're doing a TV show, you're playing on your self-esteem in a sense that some of that stuff, your employment, what you do is sometimes based around how you look, how you sound, how you present. So you're attuned to your physicality, what you're eating. Is your skin looking good? Are you sleeping well? It'd be nice sometimes to be really confident in that and to say whether I've slept well or not, whether I'm overweight or underweight, I am accepted in what I do because I think in showbiz there is, I've set an expectation that I should be a certain thing. And sometimes I have to remind myself all I have to be is me. I don't have to look like anyone else. I don't have to be the musliest, the biggest, the cleanest skin, the nicest hair. It's not a competition of who can look the most camera ready. It's about just owning who I am and being really confident. It's interesting that I've chosen a career that constantly keeps me setting the benchmark for loving myself because I need to make sure I focus on just being confident as who I am regardless of what I do for work. How have you handled your sexuality in the public eye? What's that been like for you? Well, it's been sort of a non-event purely because I haven't made a thing of it, but I also haven't denied it. So there was some press around MKR about me being gay. And beyond that, it was a non-event. Again, maybe I'm not controversial enough to garner the, <laughs> garner the big headlines, but apart from a New Idea magazine article, that was kind of it. And what was nice is that, good, that's all it should be. It was, what, 2014? Have we not caught up now that that's just how people are? So it was nice. When I was much younger and I'd always had hopes and aspirations of being in the public eye, 
I was really scared. I was so scared of being out on TV or coming out purely because I had this mentality that the heads of networks were like old school TV blokes and they made the decisions at Channel 9 and Channel 7 and Channel 10 and they were in a boardroom and they made decisions based off what will women want to watch, where's the heartthrob, all of that type of stuff which I think used to be a thing, definitely. You know, there was a case of if you're a male in TV or film, you want the women to buy the tickets or to watch the show because they know they might have a chance. And if you're gay, well, they have no chance. So you're not necessarily catering to the female demographic, but also are you catering to the male demographic in an era where gay wasn't as common on TV? So fast forward to obviously, yeah, 2013, 2014, when I was on TV, predominantly on MKR, I got over those nerves really quick because the response from the media was a non-event, which is brilliant. Now it's not even a part of who I am, my brand or a conversation. I do keep my private life private and that's uh, deliberate. And the reason I keep my private life private is so much of what I do is out there that it's so nice just to have home and what I do and my little world. It feels protected and it feels safe. So that as manic as everything becomes, I can come here and bunker down with my little unit and that's all that matters. You know, they say there's a quote, behind every good man is a great woman or behind every great woman there's a good man. How do you feel Ty's role is in your world and how have you two managed to circumnavigate you being the star of the show, for want of a better <laughs> word, and him being in the background? Yeah, look, I've been in relationships in the past where it's felt like uh, at times in our life with either both wanted to be in a background, both wanted to be stars, or the other wanted to be star and I wanted to be in the background and, and had really unique different mixes to, you know, those scenarios. Um, currently, it, it's probably the best fit possible because I have a partner that genuinely has no interest in the show business side of things which means I can kind of go to work and be on and kind of do what I do and shine without that person, without Ty thinking that me shining is dimming his light in any way. If anything, me shining makes him shine brighter because we're such a close unit. Mm. So I've been in a relationship in the past where me shining made the person feel really insecure that they were, where's my spotlight? Why aren't I shining? And it just became toxic. So I think, you know, for anyone listening to this, whether you're partnering guy, girl, whatever it is, try to find someone who knows that when your light is shining bright, it doesn't dim theirs. Yeah. Well, there's that lovely saying, isn't there? Um, if you can't, what does it say? If you can't, if you can't shine the light, polish the dull side or something like yeah. that, always keep it going. Talk to me. I've been dying to ask this question. Talk to me about cauliflower. <laughs> What do you Sorry. want to know? Because I don't think you've got enough minutes. The cauliflower can be so many things, Kim. You see, the cauliflower, it acts humble and it is humble, but what you don't know is its versatility and flexibility. Of course, it's deliciousness. People look at it, they think a white brain-like vegetable. Well, it could be a pizza, it could be a cake, it could be a cauliflower cookies, it could be a, could be a taco. Could be crispy cauliflower nuggets. There's met, could be a steak, cauliflower steak. There's, I just love, I love you. I love you so much. Cauliflower. I just, your quotes on Instagram. If you're listening to this, you have to follow. <laughs> you, you will get such a kick out of the cauliflower quotes. Um, tell me what you love about Luke Hines. 
I love that even though he gets knocked down from time to time, uh, he always gets back up, even if at the time he doesn't think he's going to. Um, and he always does because there will always be a better day. And I feel like I've seen some pretty dark days. And if I can sit here and just be having a laugh about a cauliflower with you after some of the days I had, I know that everything does get better. And for anyone, there's a lot of people I meet who just feel stuck. They feel so stuck and they confide in me and they come up to me at book signings or at events that I do and they say they've been struggling with an ailment or an issue or something physical or mental for so long that they feel like nothing's ever going to change. And I've been there and I've said to myself, this is never going to change, but it does. Sometimes it's the next day, sometimes it's the next month, sometimes it's a couple of years. You can't actually predict, but it will change and it will get better. Yeah. Role models in your life. I love your mum. Talk to me about the role she's played in your life. Oh, my mum is my mum is my idol. I I I adore my mum. I love her so much. She she's so inspiring. She's been knocked down and she's had so many hurdles and roadblocks in her life. Yet she still is this beam of joy. She can't stop smiling. You can't wipe the smile off her face. Anytime, day or night, you call her. And it's just joy when she picks up the phone. She's just eternally happy. And that's not because she is eternally happy. She's not. But she gives you this energy that just lights up the room at all costs because she wants to make others happy and she wants to keep herself happy. So she just provides so much love and joy. She just gives and gives and gives. It's something that obviously is shown through you because I could say exactly the same things about you. And it's remarkable because I know there's days that haven't been great for you, as you said, when you've been knocked down, but you still keep giving and smiling. And maybe that's the professional role that we play as well. Maybe that's sometimes we have to, and it's not about us. It's about our audience or our people that are connecting with us. I get that. Are there any other role models that you've particularly living or dead that you've always looked to and gone, they've really... They really fill my heart. They really inspire. Is there anyone else in your world? It's funny. I do get that question a lot. And I actually, and when I hear other people answer it, they're like, oh, Jamie Oliver, because, you know, he's cooking in his career or, or um, uh, who's that other one that everyone always says? There's another one that everyone always says. Oh, David Attenborough. Like there's so many people. There's like some buzzword names that you often hear. And I actually don't have any names to name. All of my idols are everyday people and I won't know their name and I may never meet them one-on-one, but I see them in the street. I see, I see someone who's a quadriplegic or a paraplegic still getting out and living an incredible day in life and they're smiling. And then I've been grumpy in the morning because, you know, my coffee was shit. And then I see someone like that and go, get a fucking grip, Luke. Are you kidding? I'm complaining about such a small world, dumb issue when there's people out there with real obstacles in their life, giving everything an absolute go. When I see people who have maybe a disability, whether it be physical or mental, when I see someone who's struggling financially, when I see someone who has been dealt some pretty rough cards in their life, it's these everyday people that you observe. And I love people watching and you observe, you see them at airports, at the supermarket, you see people who have been faced with mental or physical adversity and they are still going and they are still smiling and they are living an incredible life. And so they should. They're no different to you and I. But what they do to me is they remind me, stop really stressing about the small stuff because it really means nothing. 
And when I see people who are just giving life a go, no matter what they've been served, that inspires me. That is the stuff that makes it real. I don't care about celebrities and all that shit. I want to see real people do stuff, you know. See, it's easy for the celebs to be inspiring. They got all the money in the world and the platform to do it. Great. It's the easy answer. Give me someone who's really battling. They're my inspiration. Yeah, agreed with you, sweetheart. Tell me what you think COVID's done, not only to you personally, maybe to your family, those beautiful puppy dogs, but what do you think it's meaning on a big picture? What's your thoughts? I hope it's been the reset that we've needed. I, it's been a tough year. I've been really fortunate to keep working and doing so many things that I love, but I've seen so many people lose everything. And I hope that people who have lost everything, it's a chance to rebuild, rebuild in a better way. But in the same respect, universally and energetically, I loved that when we all first went into lockdown in March, the skies have never been clearer. There was animals and wild animals going into cities around the world that they'd not ventured into for decades. There was new populations of species which were on decline. So when we took a step back from the way we were living and the way that we were consuming, Mother Nature did some incredible things. Oceans, the canals in Venice were clear. There was dolphins swimming up them. Is there something to be learnt in that? So if I put, obviously, COVID was devastating and the lives lost is just horrific. But if we put COVID aside and simply put us lowering our energetic load on the world and what happens, wow. Can you imagine now we go back to normal, we make sure that we hit COVID on the head and we go back to a you know, COVID normal world. But what if we implement some of those things like less cars on the road? and less impact on environmental issues where we're putting less fumes into the sky and we're creating cleaner waterways for wildlife. Can you imagine the world we'll live in then if we've learnt something now of, hey, maybe there's other ways of doing things and maybe there's less of a carbon footprint by working from home and commuting less and requiring less cars and all of that type of stuff. I think there's something, there is a shift that I think can really beyond us, that's bigger than us. I think there's a shift that's way bigger than us. Of course, there's going to be individual learnings for all of us because we were hit by COVID differently. But what about this world? I think there's huge things to happen. Yeah, it's been fascinating to watch. Uh, when I heard the word social distancing, I just I reframed it to social respect. And when I heard the words, you know, self-quarantine or you know, self-isolation, I thought self-respect, you know, yeah. it was a time for me to go within and it was all about the reframe. Yeah. If you could reframe the world in a sense of we know that we need the polarizing effects of negative and positive. We know we'll have highs and lows. We know that there's good and bad. We know that there's times when we're not going to feel our best. How would you recommend we reframe ourselves when we find ourselves in that bind or we find ourselves struggling or we are trying to come out of COVID and we're told certain things by other people? Is your suggestion to ride this? How would you reframe for those of us that have struggled through COVID? I love that you've said that. It's a chance. I think so many people pre-COVID used to say to themselves, I wish I had more time for A, B, C, and D. I don't have enough time for this. I want to do this. I want to do that. COVID gave us that time. If you didn't start doing some of your hobbies in lockdown, I don't know what you were doing because there was a whole lot of time there. So I think now for those people who are coming out of it, this is a chance to remind yourself of all the things that you used to want to do that used to really light you up inside. This is your chance to do it. 
I'm not saying it'll be easy and not all things can just be done with the click of your fingers, but this is the chance to stop, reset. We're practicing self-respect. We're practicing that self-love. We're doing that. How can we now start again? It's a start fresh. It's yeah. a start fresh. Yeah, it sure is. What's on the agenda for, for Luke moving forward? Well, it's a good question. I sometimes find it a hard <laughs> question because I don't know. So many of the, um, you know, so many of the pots that I've got on the boil, some are kind of, you know, I'm the master chef of that pot. And then other pots that I've got on the boil, there's other people who are the master chef of that pot. So I don't like to plan too far in advance purely because sometimes when I do that, I can almost set myself an expectation or, you know, I can set myself up for disappointment because I put all of my eggs into certain baskets. And then if it doesn't happen, I'm devastated because I've psychologically built a story in my head that A, B, C, and D would be happening for zero, two, four, five years down the track. So now what I rather do, I kind of put a map out of the things that I want to be doing, that I would love to be doing. So I'd love to be doing the TV show. I'd love to be producing more books. I would love to be traveling around the world. So I energetically put positivity in the things that I would love, but I don't bet on them or rely on them to a point where I'm broken if those things don't turn out because in life things don't always turn out. So I kind of, I am always hopeful and optimistic for the best of what's going to happen, but I'm energetically prepared and build strength for the worst so that I don't stop completely. I think a lot of people lost everything in COVID and they didn't know who they were. They lost their identity because they'd lost everything that they built themselves up to believe that was them and they'd never prepared themselves for that to be gone. Therefore, when it was gone, they were lost, they were broken. I try to set really realistic goals but also have other things going on so that, you know what, if the world serves me a positive outcome, I go, bring it on, I'm ready for it. But if the world serves me something unexpected and maybe a negative outcome to something, I go, okay, what can I learn from this and what next? What next? I love it. I absolutely love it. Have you ever had any books change your life or a movie or anything that's actually just had such a profound effect on you that you've gone, that is such a, a life changer, a game changer? Yeah, you know what? It's a podcast um, and not many people know who I'm talking about. It's a guy called Jeff Probst and people go, Jeff Probst, who's that? Anyway, Jeff Probst is the host of the American series of Survivor. He's done 42 seasons of it now. Now, Jeff Probst was a little unknown TV presenter living in Los Angeles and he literally had, I think he said about $48 left in his bank account and he had hustled and hustled and hustled for a hosting gig on TV, his true passion. He'd done other gigs and game shows and all this other stuff, and it never quite resonated with who he was as a person. He wanted to be him, hosting, going on adventures. And when he had $48 left in his bank account, he had the audition for Survivor come up, a little unknown show that no one had ever heard about. Now, this is in 1998 he had this audition. And he went for the job. And he got into the room with Mark Burnett, who is a prolific reality TV creator and producer. He did Survivor, The Bachelor, um, uh, The Apprentice. He's created all these big franchises across the world. And he went in the room and he threw all of his rehearsals out the window and just said, you know what, this is me. He just said to Mark Burnett, I said, 
I'm not going to read you the script. I'm not going to do this whole little act. This is the job for me. I can't stress enough how this resonates with my soul, with my heart. And he left the audition thinking he's blown it. He's gone too. He's become too revealing. He's really pushed his pushed his limit. And um, lo and behold, he got the job. He's been doing it now since 1998. And um, he's it's an Emmy Award winner every year. And the reason I find that inspiring, and he said that on a podcast, is that I've had moments in my career where I felt like that's it, no more books, or I felt like oh, I'm not going to get that TV gig. And then I do. And it's a true sign of no matter how hard you think it might be to get a certain gig or how difficult you are, oh, nah, someone else will get it, they're better. Sometimes really good shit happens. Sometimes really good stuff happens and you've got to be open to it. You've got to be prepared for it. You gotta be you gotta be right there and open and energetically, because we are what we create. You know, we what we manifest and what we constantly think about and surround ourselves with, we attract into our world. So if you're if you're constantly negative and complaining, you're gonna attract that. But in the same respect, if you're positive and you and you give out the good vibes, hopefully you attract that too. You really talk a lot around the power of what I would call or what not me personally, but the word manifestation or manifest. And it's almost being, you know, I've heard the line that, oh, you're so lucky. And then someone had said to me once that, well, luck is just when opportunity meets preparation. So you're prepared for it. The opportunity arrives. That's luck. What's your thoughts of anyone's ever said to you, you're so lucky? Yeah, look, um, I totally agree. Opportunity and preparedness is definitely a great equation to luck. I don't think there's, um, you know, I don't think you get served anything in life on a silver platter ever. I don't think there's any such thing as luck, so to speak. I think you summed it up perfectly saying that, you know, when opportunity and preparedness come together, that's a form of luck. Uh, I think you just got to, I don't like the word hustle. I've said it a few times, I think. It's not about hustling. It's about kind of getting down and dirty and doing the work. You've got to do the work. You've got to do the work. And you might see people around you who don't do the work, who get certain opportunities. They don't last. It's a flash in the pan. They get the opportunity and they're gone in two seconds. Don't worry about that. Do the work. Do the work. If someone had said to you what you were going to have to do to get to where you've got today, would you have done it? Yeah, any day. Yeah. Any yeah. day. Yeah. yeah the lessons are amazing, aren't when they? When you do the work, it's so worth it because when you're in that moment doing that, when I sit down on that couch at the House of Wellness, I just feel comfortable. I feel at home. I don't feel like I've faked my way to the top. I don't feel like a fraud. I just feel like I've really done the yards and I deserve that place to be there. You certainly do. And talk to us a little bit about how people can follow you and what you're doing now and how we can keep in, in line with Miss, with Mr. Hines and actually <laughs> follow you more because I've loved the wellness show that you've been oh, doing you. and I've loved being a part of that um, occasionally when we've done interviews on there. I yes, you you're a, a superstar. <laughs> you're our favourite. <laughs> you're adorable. Um, but talk to us a little bit more about that because it's a different platform again. Yeah, it's different. So um, on Instagram, I'm Luke Hines Online, and what I try to do there is share a good mix of quotes to make you laugh out loud, lots of recipes, and a whole lot of puppy pictures. So if you love food, puppies, and quotes about cauliflower, Luke Hines Online is the Instagram for you. That's probably all you're going to get on rotation. Don't mind me. Very rarely do stories, but, you know, I'm trying to, trying to do some of those as well. Um, and yes, I'm a proud co-host of a show called The House of Wellness, which airs Sundays midday on Channel 7. Um, got an incredible crew there where we bring as many stories as we can when it comes to health, wellness and happiness. 
and I do a lot of stories about food. I interview some incredible celebrities about their wellness lifestyles. We've got travel. We've got the whole lot there. So you can check that out and do catch up on Plus 7. Uh, for those who with their little smart TVs, go to Plus 7 House of Wellness. And also my books is another avenue that I love to share with people. So uh, Have you written so far? <laughs> my 12th cookbook <laughs> is Barbecue This, and it's a healthy take on barbecue. So everything in this book is gluten, dairy, and refined sugar-free, as well as low-carb, keto-friendly. And it's a book about barbecuing. Who would have thought a health book meets barbecue? Well, I'll tell you what, when you get to book 12, strange things happen. (laughs) So it is health meets barbecue. Who knows what's next? It'll be health meets travel food. No, it'll be, um, this one's all about barbecue. I love this one because a lot of people this year are staying local. We're staying at home. We're not going overseas. We're spending time with loved ones. And where do you spend time with loved ones? In the backyard. What do you do in the backyard? Your barbecue. So if you're going to barbecue, do it healthily. I saw an amazing film and read the book. It's called Like Water for Chocolate and it's a funny, quirky book. It's one of my favourites. But they talk about the energy that we put into our food and how that affects people. And at one point the daughter can't marry the lover that she loves, so he marries the sister in order to get close to her. And the grandmother knows the story. She's devastated for it. And the mother and the bride, or the sister that wanted to marry him, they're crying into the wedding cake. And then when everyone eats the wedding cake, they start crying. So it's just the magic of the essence of our love and energy that goes into the food that we create. And I've always had this vision, and I'm putting it to you, to do a love cookbook with all the aromatics that arouse our senses and all the different things. I'm telling you, I think it would be a hit. Um, But, you know, especially when we're being an aromatherapist with smell, it is so closely linked to our emotions. Your beautiful 28 oils. Oh, stop, stop, stop. So I know we're coming to the end, my darling friend. I was wondering if there was a message um, to the listeners of the Self Love Podcast, if there was something that you would love to say, the people that listen to this are infinitely aware that to be in life, it takes work, that we are all a work in progress, that we are all evolving daily, we're all learning, and we're all on this thing called our self-love path, learning to love who we are, warts and all, and understanding that through the trials and tribulations of life, sometimes it's going to suck like hell, and other times it's going to be amazing. What would be your message to the person really, really working on themselves to be the best version of who they are? It will be okay. (laughs) It's really simple and it seems matter of fact and it also seems like common sense, but sometimes you just need to hear those words. It will be okay. Yeah. And in your darkest moment, you can be sitting in a corner crying, screaming, and sometimes you just need a hand on your back saying, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And there's been many times where that's all I've needed to hear to lift me, to take me from that moment and go, yes, fuck, you know what? It will be okay. It will be okay. It will be okay. And it will. It will. Everything gets better. I know at the time it sucks. I've been there. Trust me. And I still go there. I'm not immune. And it sucks. But it will be okay. You're a beautiful soul. I have to ask one more question. I have to. Talk to me about those beautiful puppies of yours. Oh, they're pretty good. They're being very good now. I can see them in the distance in the in the good room. Um, and that is because if I was doing this with them in here, we probably wouldn't get much talking done because they're jumping and licking and, and barking at me. And I wanted to give you 100% uh, 
Um, but I do know that when I do finish this amazing chat, I'll be going into that room and give them a whole lot of hugs and kisses. For, for anyone listening, they're obviously my two dogs, the Labrador and the Golden Retriever, Chia and Kira. Animals are so healing. If you're not in a position to have your own animal, please spend your time with someone else's animal. They are, they are medicine. I truly believe animals are a form of medicine. They're so special energetically. No words need to be said for them to understand exactly how you are feeling. They're so intuitive. I mean, no wonder they sniff drugs at the airport. Like if they can sniff cocaine in a suitcase, they can sniff when you're sad. Absolutely. They're so incredible. Spend time with animals. I can't stress enough in nature, with other people's pets, with your own pet. It's very healing. And that's why I've got two puppers. I'm, if you don't see me on TV in a few years, you know where to find me. It'll be a farm and there'll be hundreds of dogs. It'll just be <laughs> me and dogs living together, just laying around because that sounds like heaven to me as well. Luke and Ty's Animal Refuge Centre. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can see it now. Well, it was a, an absolute privilege for me to be your celebrant at your wedding. Um, it's been a privilege to speak on the same stage as you. It's been a privilege to be a guest on your shows and to be the recipient of many of your books and to be a part of your life and journey. I do consider you an incredibly special soul. I can tell you the reason why there's no controversy around you. How does anybody anybody not love respect and honor a man with true heart true spirit and joy just like your beautiful mum and who honestly does give 110 percent to every single person he is in touch with i thank you from the bottom of my heart i feel almost a bit emotional thinking <laughs> hey, about you're it but me in so, a so grateful to have a, a man like you in my life i just i just want to say thank you for today's show it's been a real privilege Anytime. I'm blessed to be part of it, Kim. So thank you for having me part of it, honestly. Yeah, you got me with the end bit, all right? Enough. Yeah, I was pretty good for most of it. Well, look, my darling listeners, if you have loved this podcast as much as I have, please go to the show notes to get all of Luke's links. I've put them in there for you and some of the quotes that he's shared today with us. And and I honestly can say if you want to laugh and you want to meet someone with soul and spirit and someone who can lift your spirit but also ride the lows with you with true honour and dignity, then follow our beautiful Luke Hines online. Take care. Be kind. Love you, Angel. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.